CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. live it's myself producer john we have jeremiah we have evan we have adam here uh first question we're just going to jump right into it tonight we're not going to start with the unc win over nc state last night we're not going to start with the breaking transfer portal news for unc football but adam smith when is the right time to take your christmas tree down <laughs> i think that's open this is my guy garrett clemens god get me started off right baby Oh, I love it. Um, thank you. <laughs> Y'all are so sweet. Um, yeah, I think it's open for debate. Maybe it's a poll question, Johnny. Um, we were just saying, I, I mean, I wish my tree was still up, but the people that uh people I live with over here, you know, um, it get that stuff gets I think everything went down for us on New Year's Day. Um, or New Year's Eve. I don't know, but and I know some other people that cover UNC. I won't name anybody because I don't want them to feel like I'm calling them out. Have said their trees might stay up till Valentine's. Um, so I think I would be for Valentine's myself. I love it, Jeremiah. Uh, first of all, you got to answer the Christmas tree uh, question, <laughs> but also, how was your experience last night in Raleigh covering the Tar Heels in, in that big win uh, against NC State? Yeah, I got to be honest, um, I do not own a Christmas tree. Uh, when I moved out after I graduated, I just never got one. So uh, not totally sure, but if I had to speak for the, uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think what my parents would have did. Uh, well, my parents, my mom would have did as far as getting it down. Probably like probably a couple of weeks, probably into the new year, but, you know, not too far into the new year, maybe down before classes started. Uh, but the experience in Raleigh was, um, uh it was really what you would expect it to be. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, hostility from the uh, NC State crowd. For those who do not know, um, when we covered the game, or at least this is, you know, what we did this year, um, we actually sat, uh, you know, pretty high up. So we're actually a little bit further than we, what we usually are in the Dean Dome. Uh, so we sit where the uh, Hurricanes media usually sits for uh, for the Hurricanes game. So we were up. Uh, we were pretty far um, high up for most of the game, um, but definitely, a, you know, an eventful atmosphere. And, you know, a lot of it is <clears throat> what you would expect, um, you know, in a in a rivalry game like that. And, uh, you know, definitely fans were, I think, a lot more engaged, obviously, in that first half. And then when the game got away, you know, it, it not not quite the same. Me and Adam kind of saw some fans, uh, you know, leaving during one of the media timeouts. I think it was like under eight timeouts when the fans were leaving um four, four minute but, mark they started pouring out after four minute mark three. four minute mark yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's right that's right um but yeah certainly a uh, good experience third straight road game for unc so it, it's been a little bit since we've been inside of the dd smith center but yeah we are going to go round table tonight and talk about our best quote best moment best anecdote from last night in raleigh jeremiah also uh, kind of hitting on that there in the first answer. Evan, you were not there in Raleigh tonight, uh, or last night, I believe. But from your vantage point, after having some time to reflect on last night's game, where would you start in terms of best moment uh, or, or best uh, perhaps memory even from last night's game? Oh, man. Uh, so my brother actually goes to NC State, and we were kind of talking about it a little bit this morning, which is fun. Um and I actually had one of my good high school friends call me right before the game started asking where I was and told me I was on the couch. But um, I wanted to start this with, I'm going to take the quote 
first and foremost, just because I remember last week Adam actually snagged mine. So hopefully I'm not stepping over his feet with this one. But um, yeah, just do what TA says. Evan. Yeah, <laughs> like... But I really if you listen to uh, Hubert Davis's press conference after the game and you get through all of the media questions, um, the last <laughs> question asked to Hubert is actually by Steve Kirshner, the SID. Right. Uh, he he every, all the media goes through their questions and there's no mention of Harrison Ingram who snagged a career high 19 rebounds I think that's the most by a UNC player against NC State all time um, and Hubert said in response to just talking about Harrison he was like for him to get 19 rebounds that's just off the charts but if you want you can tease him because he could have had a double double but he missed two free throws and gets everybody a Chick-fil-a sandwich does that include us too, the Chick-fil-A sandwiches? Um, so I'm sure from people who are watching from home or wherever you were at, like myself, you could kind of tell it was probably what under a minute at that point, Harrison missed the two free throws. And I know people were joking around to that being the loudest cheer in the second half. And I'm, I hope everyone enjoyed their free Chick-fil-A. I unfortunately did not claim mine uh, trying to eat better for the new year. But um I wanted to talk about just how that relates to Harrison and his rebounding efforts because he had 19 against NC state. He had 15 against Pittsburgh. So that's over 10 in the last two of the last three games. And I went back and looked at his sophomore year at Stanford. So last season, and he didn't have a single game where he was in double figures rebound, hmm. which is crazy. Because he had see, good numbers, right? Didn't he have he had great numbers? He had great numbers. He had great rebounding numbers. He was up there at times, but he never had over 10. And you see Man, how he's awesome. rebounding now. I mean, last night was just ridiculous, some of the rebounds he was getting. And it, it wasn't, you know, rebounding is kind of like defense in basketball, where there's not too much skill that goes into it. At the end of the day, rebounding, defense, those things are most of the time just effort. Just effort plays. I mean, you see Harrison jumping over the scorer's table you know, midway through the game. And I think that says a lot about Harrison and his, his buy-in. We've talked about his personality a lot, just how it meshes well with this team. I think it also, you know, talks to how Hubert has kind of delivered this message and in, in wanting to rebound and really emphasizing that. And I think it's, it's being taken well by the team. I looked right now, I think UNC's tied atop the ACC in rebounds per game and they're second in the conference behind Pitt and rebounding margin. So just incredible to see kind of, how Harrison continues to still work through that right hand issue and his shooting slump and is still finding a way to impact the game, especially last night on the glass. Absolutely. Adam, how about for you? Best quote, best moment, best anecdote. Are you going to start with the story of NC State mega donor? Uh, you were all <laughs> over that on Twitter, calling him out, uh, building off of Evan's point there, or are you going to start somewhere else? I was told I see Twitter had that first by people who watch Twitter like a hawk because, you know, I have no idea what's being, you know how it is. We're trying to watch the dang game. And, um, man, for whatever reason, I just, I knew it immediately that that was Wendell Murphy. I got a good look at him. Uh, they had him on the board and I was like, oh my God. Like for anyone who doesn't know, just type Wendell Murphy into a, to a Google search. Uh, I actually explained to Harrison Ingram who he was after the game last night. And he was a farmer who, I, I called him possibly the richest man in Eastern North Carolina. I'm sure there's someone richer. I'm sure the chat can tell me, like, you mean old uh, Hootie Johnson? You know, like, I'm sure someone <laughs> is, is richer. But that fool is loaded. I mean, they don't do anything at NC State without asking. I mean, legitimately, they don't do things at NC State without asking Wendell Murphy. His name is on the side of the, the football center. Um, and he's on a, a ton of stuff, too. I mean, him and the Dales. Uh, that that they have the baseball stadium named after. Uh, they're running that place over there. Um, well, no, well, John, I don't know if you know. Uh, I know you're good on research, but I am the reigning champion from last week. Um, so I don't know if that needs to be taken into account in whatever scorekeeping you do over there. But uh, I was able to run away with it a little bit. Um, so, but no, I'll go quote. Uh, I think uh, I wasn't going to get into to Murphy too much. I don't think. By the way, I thought Jeremiah had uh, – Jer go watch Jeremiah's YouTube video of the Harrison Ingram interview Jeremiah did. I thought that was really, really uh, pretty good pretty good stuff from Harrison Ingram. It's always good stuff from Harrison Ingram, but I was yeah. watching it today, and I was like, you know, I thought Jeremiah did a good job with that. I enjoyed, I enjoyed uh, hearing the comments. And Jeremiah asked him about it 
you know, he didn't tell him how rich he was, which is fine. But uh, and you know, Murphy was, I don't know if people saw it on TV, he's like holding his mm. feeble little wrist after that. I'm like, oh my god, Harrison Ingram is hurt. Went down, they braced him up, yeah, went over there during a timeout, yeah, and put him in a damn brace. And um, I mean, you gotta, hey. Kevin Keats went over there and checked on him. That lets you know a little something. He ain't – he's not coaching in a huddle. He walked over there and was like, are you okay? Are everybody okay over here? Um, but I'm I'm rambling. I'm sorry. I need TA here to bark at me. Here's what I got. Here's what I did for a quote, which also kind of I thought spoke to sort of the – the just the scene and the silliness. Um, but I think it's good. I think it's, it's Armando Baycott last night in the locker room. And um, – is the only uh, player I got to talk to before they said that Hubert was going to the interview room and I had to run out of there. I broke a sweat on the way over to the, uh, across the arena to, to try to get Hubert on video. But so it's Armando, it's Armando being Armando. And here's what we got. Someone said, uh, asked him about the matchup with DJ Burns and right out of the gate. Yeah. I think today I saw that I got a lot smaller and he got a lot bigger. And so I was already kind of giggling by that point. And, uh, the question was like, bigger how? And he goes, I oh, mean, I, I don't know. He got a lot bigger than he did last year. And I told him that. I was like, dang, because I've dropped <laughs> like 10 to 15 pounds. And so, like, this was pretty funny. And by the way, DJ Burns does look like he's gained weight since last year. I don't know how that's possible that you had a guy who obviously is a, a good player whose conditioning has been a problem. And you allowed him to put on weight rather than cut weight. Um, it brings to mind BJ Anya for the people, um, who may remember NC state from 10 years ago, serviceable dude around the rim. I was there one day on Sunday, a Sunday when they NC state beat a number two Duke team and BJ Anya defended Jaleel Okafor pretty well. Um, Okafor still got his numbers, but Anya made him work because Anya was bigger than Jaleel Okafor. Um, that was the day that NC State stormed the court and the kid in the wheelchair got knocked over. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but there's video of it like crazy. Uh, yeah, they, they nearly trampled a young man in a wheelchair. But anyway, so Armando comes back. He, he continues to talk because Armando's great. And he gets to a, what I thought was a good point after making what I thought was a pretty funny joke. Um, he goes, you know, every time he gets the ball, they're going crazy in here. And I'm like, oh, Lord, because you guys heard it. Every time – uh, Burns got a touch with Armando, sort of a mano a mano, <laughs> you know, 1990s post up situation. Um, but Armando said, I thought we did a good job overall. Jay Wash, meaning Jalen Washington, stepped in and played huge, which he did. Well, that's me saying that. And he couldn't really get in the rhythm. And honestly, with a team like that, we'll live with it just twos because if they're making twos, they're not making threes. And that's what we want. And let me tell you. As we all know, NC State certainly didn't make any threes. Two for 20 from three. It was two for 21 when we left last night. Somehow they adjusted the box score and took one away. Um, but from an on-the-beat sense, that's Armando Baycock. He has gotten in a comment that you didn't even think he's going to make when you just ask him about the matchup. <laughs> Basically said Burns' weight issue is even more of an issue. Oh, by the way, I'm sleeker. <laughs> and then he made a good point that like, and, and Jeremiah and I were talking about it. And if Evan was there, I'm sure he'd been right in there. It was kind of interesting, you know, how fired up that PNC arena crowd gets for a Burns touch. But really all he's trying to do is back you in there and get a bucket. It's not like he's hitting a shot that's worth four or five points. Um, and I thought that was an interesting point from Armando. Like, Hey, we'll take him getting, a couple buckets here and there, as long as they're not going on one of these heaters, like last year with Jarkel Joyner and, and Baby T, Turquavian Smith. And, I mean, what, Burns had 11? Um, you know, Jeremiah and I were having, I thought, an interesting conversation. Hubert Davis talks about Jay Burns like he's freaking Nikola Jokic. He really does. And he talks about his past. He talks about him like he's unstoppable. He's high on him. Yeah. This guy's the third, third leading scorer on NC State's team. I know he's a – uh, uh, an anomaly in terms of a player, especially on the college game. But I just thought that was an interesting quote from Armando. And I, I was also trying not to take any other, other good quotes that Jeremiah, Jeremiah was uh, got in the locker room setting um, last night. It's all on 
our YouTube page, which I think those are great ones to watch. You guys should go over there and watch it. But that was uh, – I went with Armando being Armando. And also I thought making a good, good point at the end. Yeah, those are some good ones. I'm glad y'all picked uh, the ones y'all did. Those were – I enjoyed those quotes as well. Also, real quick, before I get in – I'm actually going to do an anecdote. Before I get into that, I just want to point out Tar Heel and GA. First of all, shout out to you. Texas takes their Christmas tree down – uh christmas afternoon that's that's a, that's a first for me uh you know I, I don't even think the lakers would have been playing at that point you gotta at least let a, you at least gotta uh you know let that game come on but nah but it's shout still out to christmas you. right on christmas yeah christmas <laughs> afternoon like shoot like, <laughs> stockings are probably still i don't know i don't know <laughs> um but uh, but shout out to shout out to you. No, actually, what I was gonna do was a uh, an anecdote from yesterday. I actually previewed it to Adam um, when we were leaving the uh, when we were leaving PNC. Yeah, yeah, this is actually before the game. Uh, so a little bit kind of behind the scenes. So you know, we're on on the beat, whatever, whatnot. Um, we get these parking passes and credentials from a. Uh, from a curse. This is like before the Clemson game. So uh, me and Adam are in the media room. So I give Adam his, and I actually, when we go down to Clemson, I actually forget to give Jim Hawkins, our photographer, um, who obviously all the regular listeners know exactly who we're talking about. I actually forget to give him his passes when we're down to Clemson. Uh, and I don't realize it until the day before the state game. Uh, and obviously thank God that I realized it, but at the time for a while, I had not realized so I called him the day before. So this would have been Tuesday. I called him. I said, hey, uh, my bad. I forgot to give you these passes. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's all good. Let's meet at this, uh, you know, meet at this location. And then we'll just kind of go and uh, then you can just follow me from there. So that's exactly what we do. So uh, I'm in there, get on 40 and, you know, battle all the traffic that's on there. Uh, I left at a good enough time. We were meeting up at about 530. Uh, I actually got there a little bit before 530. I gave Jim his stuff and uh, he's like, all right, cool. Um, appreciate it. Just follow me. So on the parking pass, there's like a certain, uh, you know, place where it says to park. So it said one C and then like area 1000 or whatever. Um, and so Jim, who obviously has done his share of games at PNC, I'm following Jim. We get through the gate we're supposed to get to and whatever. Um, then, so Jim obviously has done his share of games at PNC. There's a place where, he knows that, you know, the media always parks. So regardless of, you know, what the pass says or whatever, um, you know, he's that's where like he's going. Um, but then me, I see like a sign. It says 1C um, and it's a little bit further from where the PNC entrance is. So I actually Jim's in front of me. I actually turn a little bit early just to like, you know, because I don't want them to like turn me around and all that other stuff. I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead and 1C. The problem is. I'm like the second car there. So I don't turn my car off. I just kind of like, you know, evaluate the scene a little bit. I'm like, could I have gone a little bit further? Because I'm noticing obviously Jim had had went a little bit further. So I'm like evaluating the scene a little bit, kind of thinking about, you know, what I'm going to do. Like, am I going to go up and kind of check with somebody? A third car pulls in and, you know, so my car, my window's like here. The third car pulls around. And then kind of slows down, rolls his window down because uh, he obviously noticed that my car uh, was still on. And so I rolled my window down too, just kind of, you know, trying to chat up with this guy. And so this guy, he sees me and he's like, hey, is this uh, where the park is supposed to be? And I'm like, yeah, that's all I was trying to figure out. Then he says, oh, wait a minute. I know you. And I was like, I didn't really recognize it. He was like, yeah, I know you. And if I remember correctly, he said, yeah, yeah, you're that media guy, you know, and he's like, and I was like, oh, shoot, like, yeah, yeah, what's going on, man? He's like, yeah, you cover, uh, you cover North Carolina. I was like, yeah. Um, and so the back and forth continues a little bit. And then he goes, yeah, man, uh, I'm RJ's dad. And I was like, oh, shoot, what's going on, man? Uh, you know, and so, yeah, so we chatted up a little bit. And he was talking about, yeah, man, uh, you know, my friends, he told, uh, they told us to, uh, or, you know, they told me to, you know, go ahead and head up here early, whatever. Now I'm just kind of hearing it's early. And I was telling him, I was like, look, like if you would have left 10, 15 minutes later, you might not even be here right now. Like you probably would have been way back in this traffic and stuff. He was like, yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, and so, uh, so yeah, we're kind of discussing the parking situation and stuff. And so 
Um, I'm like, yeah, you know, part of me wants to just kind of go up there and check with these people. And he was like, well, yeah, I'm actually going to go. I'm just going to go check with these people. So he he pulls off, goes back around me and then goes up, uh, you know, and talks with the uh, um, the parking people. I do the same thing. So I eventually get where I needed to go and he gets where he needed to go. But uh, yeah, so definitely shout out to uh, uh, RJ Davis's dad. That was a funny little pregame interaction sort of thing. Uh, I probably should have picked up on it sooner, like because uh, when he said it, he, it started to click. Oh, like, okay, yeah, like he looks just like him, uh, you know, and obviously had the uh, you know the New York accent as well. So uh, shout out to him, appreciate the uh, readership or listenership or whatever the case may be. So yeah, that was a, that was a funny one. <laughs> That's Reginald Davis Sr. That's who RJ's named after. Yeah. I love it. I love uh, Hawk as well, just parking wherever he wants to. In in my book, Jim Hawkins can go right to the front of the concourse and just park right in the middle. His car can be like that model car, you know, that they kind of show off in the mall, like win this, fill out the survey um, in in my book. Well, I want to talk a little bit about best five and i have a a stat to set this up Hmm. so you think back to hubert davis's first two teams obviously more so with the first team with the famous iron five lineup hubert davis rode that lineup into the ground but he did it because it was such an effective lineup if you look back at the adjusted team efficiency margin on evanmaya.com that lineup with uh baycott leaky RJ, Caleb, Brady, Manick, it led UNC in adjusted team efficiency margin. But we're about halfway through this season, and it's been really interesting to me uh, sort of how UNC's lineups have evolved over the year. Obviously, they started out with Paxton Wojcik in the starting lineup. There's been different mixes and matches throughout the whole season. And to be honest with you, I don't think we've figured out yet exactly what UNC's best five is on the court, and the data backs that up. The most played lineup this season for UNC per EvanMaya.com is Armando Baycott, Cadeau, RJ Davis, Harrison Ingram, and Cormac Ryan. That makes sense. That's the starting lineup as of late. But there are a lot of other lineups in there that have a higher adjusted team efficiency margin. So the question for the panel here, and we're coming to you first, Evan, uh, when you which do you think is the best lineup that UNC has? What would you be using to close games? I know that's a little bit matchup dependent, uh, but what's your take there? Oh, man. I think right now their best lineup is their starting five, and then you put Seth in for Cadeau. But I think their best lineup in terms of wanting to reach the ceiling that this team has, and I think as of late they've shown that they could potentially creep into that final four deep tournament run kind of conversation. I think that best lineup is the starting five that they have right now. So I, I know I'm giving two lineups. I don't, I, I'm going to roll with the starting five because I'm going to talk about this long-term more, but I think you saw from Elliot against state really grow up. And it's mm-hmm. something that I've, I've talked to Jeremiah and Adam about a lot in that. I don't know if there are many guys in the country who can stop Elliot if he makes a decisive move and decides to try to blow by somebody. When he gets into this peach jam, isolation, four different combo dribble moves, it's kind of where he gets into trouble. And I think that's where Seth Trimble can be key. But I think if UNC wants to reach its ultimate goal, I like what Elliot Kiddo can bring in terms of his speed and explosiveness and his passing ability. I don't think UNC has ever had a guard like that who can pass as good as Elliott can do in combination with his explosiveness and finishing ability. I like how that puts RJ Davis as a catch and shoot guy, because even though RJ has still been pretty efficient on off the dribble threes this year, his efficiency off catch and shoot threes is nuts this season. And I think you have to still have Cormac out there, even though he probably isn't shooting to what he would want to be just because of the intangibles and the leadership that's been talked about. And it's, it feels like Cormac's kind of getting into a groove. It feels like he's hitting one or two threes every game instead of that 0 for 6 night he had against UConn. And I think Harrison, Harrison and Armando at your 4-5 gives you a lot of versatility at that spot because Harrison has the ability to step out on offense and give Armando space inside. 
but he also it's probably in terms of just post moves and post back. He probably has the best one instead of Armando. So I'll take their starting five right now as their best lineup, because I think that's the lineup that you need to be the best lineup in order for you to contend for a national championship. Andy Morse from the chat agrees. He says, I think starting five is the best. The numbers are skewed by Cormac's shooting slump. Jeremiah, what about for you? When you think about UNC's best five, let's say who you want closing games, uh, who do you want out there? You know, um, there was one lineup that really impressed me earlier this year and another and I think it could seriously be a, a major factor. It's one they've gone to a few times. The one I said, um, and you're giving up a little bit of height here, but I had Elliot Cadeau, RJ Davis, Seth Trimble, Ingram at the four, Baycott at the five. That lineup against Florida State led that comeback. They were down double digits. They went to a full court press. Uh, Baycott was on the other side of half court. Ingram was probably closer to the middle. And you had the guards over there trapping. And that was one that just really stuck out to me because and Florida State is a big team. And that was a lineup that was effective against them. Um, but that one just kind of stood out to me just because you have RJ Davis, who um, he didn't shoot it great last night. And I know, you know, these last couple of conference games, the efficiency from the field probably hasn't been there, even though he's still shooting it well from three. Um, but, you know, he's been obviously one of the top scorers, the top scorer in ACC, but one of the top scorers overall um, in Power 5 basketball. Um, when Elliot Cadeau was on, when he's able to push the pace, when he's able to, um, you know, even score it himself, yesterday was his first – yesterday was his third double-digit scoring game, so not a ton of those. But, I mean, he ended up with six assists. Um, and obviously we all remember the Tennessee's game against Tennessee. Um, so when he's in there pushing the pace and getting the ball and getting everybody involved, uh, it really helps spark the offense. When you have Harrison Ingram at the four, they've liked to use him in the post. And his recent injury, I think, has contributed to, you know, some shooting struggles. But, I mean, he, he gives you a ton. He had 19 rebounds last night. And I wonder, you know, if part of the, uh, you know, Kirshner having to get in there and ask about his rebound. I mean, he's just he had just set a career high with 17 uh, a few nights before. So it was like. And he sets a career high, then immediately goes back and sets another career. Almost gets he almost had a nine point twenty rebound game, like a little Dennis Rodman type action. Um, so you know that's another one. I like I like him at the four. I like Trimble at the. I guess he's at the three in this lineup, but I mean he gives them perimeter defense, and he's actually been more of an asset offensively this year than he was last year he's you know he gets down on the break and even in the half court offense he's kind of been able to I think kind of you know find his possible I mean sometimes every in the Bahamas I remember he had two big threes against Arkansas that you know really helped them win that game and then Armando Baycott down there allows you to get rebounds and he just kind of does what he does um in the post and you know whenever they need him to kind of step up uh he's able to do that so yes you do give up height in that lineup but I think that's a that's a that's a lineup that can that can really run, and that's a lineup that to me can really score. Um, and I know obviously you do leave Cormac off in that lineup, uh, but I think just what that lineup can give you, um, you know, with Seth Trimble's defense, with Ingram's versatility, um, you still do have Baycott in the middle, and then obviously Cadeau and RJ, the dynamic that they have as guards. Um, I'm going to roll with that lineup is is probably UNC's best lineup. I like it. Gene throws out starting five and switch in Trimble for defense. I think that's also an appealing option. Adam, we've thrown a few out here. Before we take the ad break, what are your thoughts on a closing lineup for UNC? Well, we've got a little bit of an issue because I know you need to have a debate. And, I mean, maybe this speaks to uh, Jeremiah and Evan being, you know, truly my sons uh, in another life. Um, I agree. I, that's, my, that's the lineup I like the most, too. The, the closing lineup would be Trimble in for Cadet. Uh, and I, th I think that I think that UNC has, I mean, it's easy to say when you're 4-0 in the league, right? Um, like, I think UNC has a good thing going here where you're, you know, they're not going to take Cadet back out of the starting lineup. It's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they should, but you know, they, Hubert, Elliot Cadet is Hubert Davis's guy for several different reasons. Um, you know, obviously he's a great player. He's going to be even better than he is right now. 
but also what he symbolizes too. You know, there are other Elliot Cadeaus in the high school ranks watching right now, seeing how Hubert handles the situation. Um, but I think that is a, a nice setup. If you're UNC, I think that's a nice setup where you have him in the lineup. He played excellent last night. He was a difference maker in the second half, as as Jeremiah said. They could not stay in front of him. Um, and God dang, the wraparound pass around mm-hmm. DJ Big Boy Burns in the lane on a dime to Armando Baycock perfectly in stride. And he's dunking and oh, yelling, you know, and people are Tariel's waving goodbye, you know, to PNC. Like, stuff was sweet, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Cadeau also, we, we, the Evan and Jeremiah and I have talked about this as we're watching games. He is small. He's very small, but he has a knack for being able to finish around the cup, take a little contact. He did it in the pit game. He did it in Clemson game and still be able to score when there is not a shot blocker down there, when he is sort of taking his guy off the dribble, when he has not danced and danced and danced, but when he's made a decisive move gotten by them. Um, I thought Hubert had some interesting comments about Cadeau last night when he said he had sat down with him and talked about using his gifts because the gifts obviously are there. Um, but with that said, I'm a big Seth Trimble fan. I don't know how you couldn't be. I'm, I'm sure we all are. I'm so, sure the people watching and listening are. I mean, geez, what a sophomore jump he has had. And, um, you know, when he comes into the game, you can just feel him changing sort of the pace, mm-hmm. you know, changing what's happening in the game. Um, so I would, that's what I would pick as my closing lineup. I would pick RJ Davis, Seth Trimble. Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram. I would have a hard time taking Harrison Ingram off the court because I love that dude. And Armando Baycott. And I think Evan mentioned the intangibles that Cormac brings. He's also also a great free throw shooter. With RJ and Cormac, you have arguably, I mean, RJ is the best free throw shooter in UNC basketball history right now in terms of, of percentage. Uh, he's ahead of Jeff Lebo, who gives him a hard time about that. And Cormac, I think, is – y'all can look it up. I think he's like 85% maybe. I mean, Cormac's numbers are good. And the the level of defense that Seth Trimble gives you with the – he's bigger than Cadeau. He's obviously the most explosive guy maybe with Jalen Withers on UNC's team. Um, you saw him that Clemson game face guarding Joe Girard some. Just face guarding. What are you going to do if you're Joe Girard? You got Seth Trimble like freaking Ed Reed – you know, on the football field, in your face, and not letting you go nowhere. You can't do nothing. Um, so that's what I would pick. But I, I want to stress that I think that's just a nice situation where you can have Cadeau play his game for six, eight-minute stretches, and then you can say, hey, Seth, <laughs> why don't you head in there and, like, you know, take off? Um, interesting little behind-the-scenes nugget. They were uh, giving Seth a little bit of a hard time last night because I tried to get back in the UNC locker room after Hubert, which it was open for just a little bit. And uh, longtime athletic trainer Doug Halverson was saying to Seth Trimble, like, why don't you just take off and dunk those? Like, it seems to me with the lift that you have, you should just dunk everything. And I tend to agree. Um, and Seth was like, Doug, you have to understand. You know, like they have like a legitimate discussion about it. Um, but that's what I'd go to. I think – I mean, I think we all picked this lineup because finishing lineup, what can you say? You know, like y'all made the point about the the Florida State comeback. I mean, that, you know, he helped key that. And I think there's a lot to like, especially when you're 4-0 in the league. I I think this whole conversation speaks to the depth that UNC has, though, because there are different options maybe that they didn't have in the last few seasons. I do want to give the data, the numbers on this. When you look at EvanMaya.com, in a small sample size, around 30 possessions, the highest uh, lineup in terms of adjusted team efficiency margin is Baycott, Cadeau, RJ, Ingram, and Seth Trimble. So the three-guard lineup, Jeremiah, I think that you were advocating for. Um, So interesting to see how that plays out throughout the rest of the season. I want to take a quick second and talk about our sponsor, Johnny T-Shirt. They have been a longtime supporter of Inside Carolina. We appreciate them sponsoring this show and all of Inside Carolina's podcasts. If you're on Franklin Street for a game uh, upcoming, uh, one of the home games, UNC's finally back at home after what seems like six months. Uh, If you're in Chapel Hill for one of those games, 
stop by Franklin Street, or if you're a little farther away, you can check out their website, uh, purchase some UNC gear. If you still have your Christmas tree up and you want to just throw another present under there, you can go to Johnny T-Shirt and purchase it there. So we appreciate them sponsoring this show. We're going to take a quick second, as Tommy Ashley says, let the national guys pay the bills. We'll be back to talk more UNC basketball in just a second. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. We have 247 people Man. watching live right now. That's a hell of a number. It's, it's awesome. Uh, shout out as well. Last night on the post-game live podcast, we had 1,000 people watching, which is crazy. Um, and I did want to give a shout out to this as well. Uh, Inside Carolina hit 20,000 YouTube subscribers today, which is a, a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, kudos to the team. Kudos to you guys for always recording Adam, you just referenced it, running all over uh, these stadiums and recording all of these interviews. I know as a journalist, it's annoying to have to record the interview. You'd rather just hold out the tape recorder and just talk to people. But the listeners appreciate you all recording it. Um, And I want to give a shout out as well to everyone watching, uh, all of the subscribers, uh, people like Sean Crowley, Garrett Clemens. Uh, You guys are here every single week, so we appreciate uh, you guys following along, uh, subscribing to the channel. Um, so just wanted to take a second to say that after Inside Carolina hit 20K today. John, um, shout out to you because you've had a lot yes. of effort, blood, sweat, and tears in making that happen. You and Michelle uh, over at the IC shop, I mean, I, I think that you uh, should take a well-deserved bow on that one because, um, I mean, back in the days of, you remember when Gonzaga came to the, the Smith Center, you've been – you know, working hard on those YouTube <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we some of us remember. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, congrats on that, Johnny. Seriously, job well done. For sure, John is John is um, John will sometimes go in that Slack, give all the YouTube analytics of what's working and and, and things like that. John's a big part of that. Michelle's a big part of that. Um, obviously, TA with the oh, yeah. podcast he hosts, mm-hmm. yes. uh, Joey Powell with uh, you know, Coastal Coast and everything like that. I mean, literally everybody that graces the uh the headset uh so you know it's definitely uh humbling so shout out to everybody that uh you know makes that work yes it's a total team effort for sure and shout out to fireman lamont who uh, i think you all had the opportunity yes, to, to meet recently he's he's a great guy appreciate you guy. watching fireman lamont fireman uh to get us back into it i'm gonna do uh captain's choice here i'm gonna open it up to the group y'all can decide who wants to go first uh, keep us going here. Favorite story and or favorite anecdote. Uh, Adam, Jeremiah, Evan, uh, who wants to start us off here? I can so, go. Does he, who wants to go? Does anyone want to go? Real quick, quick. So you said favorite story or anecdote from just NC State? Mm-hmm. Okay. Just from whatever. You got Clemson in there, too. I have something yes. from Clemson. Yes, Clemson or NC State. Cool. Go ahead, Adam. Let's, let's let Adam go first. Yeah. All right. Are you sure? Well, that's could spell your doom. No, I have I have two that I think you guys won't. John, what we did last week was we sort of used story to bleed into anecdote or anecdote to bleed into story because I never know which one is. I'm not sure which one is which. Story and it's the same thing, really. But uh, that's sort of the form we've done for 2024 is quote anecdote story. So yeah, I have two that will serve as story anecdote. So. Um, Last night, uh, after we ran down five flights of stairs, it was the fifth floor for the hockey press box up there in the crow's nest. 
Um, so we got down to the UNC locker room. And uh, as we're herding, I mean, it's very much a cattle herd to get in there. Um, you know, it's a it's a small little space. And uh, I happened to look directly at Marcus Page uh, as I was going into the locker room. He was some of the, you know, the coaches and support staff and stuff were coming out. And um, I mean, I know Marcus from way back. And uh, he just kind of gave me a little smile and a nod. And I just said, you know, always good to win in Raleigh. <laughs> and uh, he started laughing um, because uh, I, that, that was all that needed to be said. Um, you know, Marcus obviously was an NC State killer, just like Luke May was, um, just like, you know, a lot of Carolina guys. Joel Berry, I think, had some great games, just like a lot of Carolina guys have been through the years. Hansborough. Um, but I was there that night. Uh, I think it was 2014 um, when UNC won over in Raleigh in overtime. I think it was a, a one-point win. Marcus had, I believe, 34 or 35, and it was a duel with a guy who I happened to pass on my way out of the UNC locker room last night, TJ Warren. So I see Marcus Page on the way in. I get a laugh from Marcus, which was great. Uh, this Marcus is the greatest guy in the world. And then on the way back out, I saw Tony Buckets, uh, Tony Warren Jr., TJ Warren. And uh, I'm surprised he's not on an NBA team right now, by the way. And uh, I happened to say, what's up, Tony, just because we look right at each other. And he's like, hey, man, you know, I'm sure he does not remember who the hell I am. I wasn't wearing glasses back then in those days. But um, but they went they they had a duel that night. I'm sure everyone remembers it. Um, I think I think it was like 36 for TJ Warren and maybe 35 for Marcus. Marcus hit the game winning shot on a scooping drive up off the dribble, the left hand rainbow. He kissed it way up off the window and it goes in. Looked like Carolina might lose. By the way, Eric Montrose was on the call that game. He had a great reaction. I remember uh, to the page bucket. So I thought that was just for me. And like, you know, our audience is kind of like us and that we're kind of, you know, nerds in that way. and remember stuff. That was just kind of, I don't know, fun to see Marcus, you know, Marcus to just acknowledge it. And, you know, that night, it was always so much going on, obviously, with UNC and State and Roy versus Sidney Lowe or Herb Sindek or Mark Gottfried. And got had some talent, you know, on those teams. And I think Warren, I think TJ led the ACC in scoring that year. I think he was ACC player of the year. Um, but that also was when the UNC academic scandal was going on. And uh, I think Jeremiah or Evan used the word hostile. Like, I can distinctly remember writing stories back then and using the word venom because, like, you know, the Duke crowd is one thing. And Duke, the Duke crowd feels like they are on top of you and they're going to crush you just because everything's so compact. But at NC State and for basketball, you just feel it. You feel the hostility. You feel that they hate <laughs> the people mm -hmm. in, in baby blue. You really feel it. I just remember typing Venom one time, and I was like, yeah, they, they're they out for blood. Um, but that night in, in 2014, they were letting UNC have it. And I can remember being out there 90 minutes or an hour before the game and NC State students already being in there, and they were screaming at Marcus, who, by the way, was a great student. I mean, he was like academic All-American, All-ACC academic team. And they're like, Marcus Page, do you know how to spell your name? You know, they're talking about – the no-show classes and everything. I mean, they were really letting him have it. So that night we were in there uh, in the locker room, and I had to ask Marcus after he'd had the game that he did, and this was after he cleared out a little bit. You know, I said, did you hear him asking you if you could spell your name? And he was laughing about that, and he gave a good answer. And what made the answer fantastic was the way he ended it was he goes, and by the way, if you need to take this down, M-A-R-C-U-S-P-A-I-G-E. Um, and that, that's how he ended the answer. And uh, that's how I ended the story that night. <laughs> you know, like mic drop. Um, you know, he spelled his name for him on the way out. So uh, that was the story slash anecdote that I had. I could, I'll let one of the guys go since I talked for so long. I have another smallish one if we need to go there. But uh, Marcus Page on the way in, TJ Warren on the way out, just like old times. Jeremiah, you're up next for story slash anecdote. Yeah, um, definitely feeding off of you know, kind of what Adam was talking about. I actually asked uh, Harrison Ingram about his uh, first UNC State experience. For uh, Harrison Ingram, he actually had a uh, – I'm blanking on the guy's first name, but 
Oh, Michael is his first name. Uh, he had a former Stanford teammate. His name's Michael O'Connell. Uh, they transferred, uh, I guess they were transferred the same year. Uh, and if the ESPN broadcast, so again, setting the scene a little bit, where we sit, there's like three screens that actually shows like the ESPN broadcast or at least a version of it. And so they actually had a picture of Harrison Ingram and Michael O'Connell as Stanford teammates. And like, I think Harrison's like arms around Michael's or something like that. Um, I actually asked him if he got to catch up with him. He was like, yeah, you know, a little bit, but you know, Michael wasn't really in the mood to talk, obviously. <laughs> and so um, I actually grabbed a quote from Harrison. Uh, you know, I asked him about his experience and he said, uh, you know, man, that was crazy. But you know, you have to think about it in the Harrison Ingram voice, I guess, uh, which I'm not going to try and imitate. Uh, we said, man, that was crazy. I knew it was going to be crazy, but I didn't think it was going to be that loud. I didn't think people were going to know stuff about you. Um, I don't know how they know. Um, they're just yelling stuff. Uh, but those are the games I live for. And so I ask also as a follow up, just like in jest, not obviously trying to get the guy to expose himself or anything like that. But I was like, well, what kind of stuff were they saying about? What kind of stuff did they know about you? And he was like, they knew stuff from high school, middle school, and Stanford. I don't know how they knew. Uh, or he said, I don't know. I don't know how they know, is what he said. Um, and so that's another one just to give you the um, – because I think the thing with that, especially with UNC and all of these schools, having so many players that – you know, kind of come in from other schools. Um, I think there is probably somewhat of a renewed perspective that even we can get from the UNC NC State rivalry, or maybe when they play Duke, the UNC Duke rivalry. Um, you know, because for the, for them, it's you know more of an outside looking in type of type of thing. So when we ask them about it, and when they really get to experience it, uh, you know, they can kind of offer an insight that um, you know I, I think that makes. That makes it, you know, even that more unique. That makes it even, uh, you know, that almost takes it to a, I don't want to say another level, I don't know, but it takes it to a, a different place. You know, it's like, um, I asked Elliot Cadeau a little bit about it too. I don't, I don't know if I asked. I think somebody that was in the same scrum uh, kind of asked his first experience with it and he kind of shared, you know, how he kind of felt about it and, and things like that. And that should be uh, on the video that I, that I posted as well. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. The new faces that, um, you know, coming to the rivalry, making it their own Harrison Ingram's first UNC state game. He set the record for most rebounds against the, against NC state. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's where it's at right now. You know, all these different faces coming in and, and really making their mark on the, uh, on the rivalry. I want to give a quick shout out to Tina Williams, uh, before we get to Evan, Tina says, bought some new clothes from Johnny t-shirt with my discount shout out to Tina. Evan, how about for you? Story slash anecdote from either the state game or Clemson. I'm going to take a story slash anecdote from right in between those two games. Yes. Um, on Sunday, I had the chance to go to Armando Baycott's uh, little NIL meet and greet event at the Raising Canes uh, right around the corner here on Franklin Street. And always a great time with Armando, like Adam said, and especially at these NIL events where he's kind of outside of a locker room setting and we actually get the opportunity to talk with him one-on-one. -on -one. You can really learn a lot, especially from a guy like Armando. Uh, so just the gist of the event, Armando was up on the, the second floor of the Canes uh, just signing T-shirts and basketballs and taking selfies with guys. Uh, they even gave him a little Canes chicken tender meal that Mondo took a, a French fry out of. And actually, his agent, who was there with him, ate a good bit of the meal because I'm sure Armando didn't want to eat too much of it. But Armando said he always loved Canes. He said he ate it a lot in high school, which is actually why he wanted to get a deal with him. But I think the cool thing about that event was when you talk to Armando just about the makeup of this team, one of the things he said that I thought was particularly interesting was he was talking about how the personalities on this team just mesh. And he, he talked about the different personalities. He said, he said something along the lines of, Last year, we were all just chill guys. And, and how this year, it's different personalities. It's different kinds of guys that, that just mesh together. And, and you can see it out there on the court. I mean, Harrison Ingram and Cormac Ryan are these fiery dudes. I mean, they, those guys, when you get between the lines, you don't want to mess with those guys. Whereas Armando Baycott and RJ have never really been that. They're more of kind of show it with their game a little bit more, a little bit more 
don't want to say soft spoken, but just not as animated in a way. Um, and just just one of the cool things that he further talked about was something that I know Jeremiah and Adam, I think, have both kind of talked about in stories in the past was this moment in the summer where Adam or sorry, when when Armando and RJ were in a summer workout together and Armando told RJ this year, it's going to be your team. This is a, a big man who has been not only the face of UNC for a while, but he's probably been one of the four or five faces of college basketball since that NCAA tournament run. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was back-to-back preseason All-America telling RJ, who in his own right had been a a good scoring guard, but telling RJ, who wasn't on the preseason All-ACC list for whatever reason to begin with, but still not on that list, that this was going to be his team. And when I asked Armando about that, he basically was... One of the things that's always nice about Armando is he's he's very honest and self-aware, which I don't think you find with every player. Some of the guys get stuck in the the media training coaches talk Armando's going to tell you how it is and I think that's always a lot of fun and Armando straight up said you know I told RJ it was going to be his team because if you look at the past NCAA tournament title teams they're led by great guards they're led by these elite scoring guards and, and he's right and you've seen that play out this season I mean Armando or RJ is averaging over 20 points a game Armando still putting up, you know, double-double numbers, about 15, 10, 15, and 11. But you can tell that this is this is RJ's team. This is a team that almost goes as he goes in a way to an extent. And that especially played out last night in Raleigh when Armando plays, I think, what, 23 or 24 minutes in that game? I mean... Look what he had at the half, too. Right. Like, he, two, he, two and zero? Yeah. yeah, he didn't have a rebound at halftime. I mean, the the cliche, if you had told someone... Armando has nine and five and zero rebounds in the first half. Do you think UNC wins that game by double digits? I mean, that's kind of where it's getting to. And and I just think that just shows you that the roster overhaul that was done this off season was done pretty good. I mean, you have to give the coaching staff a lot of credit. They, they hit pretty much on every guy they've brought in so far. And, and that's tough because you don't see that everywhere. There's teams like Arkansas and Alabama who had similar overhauls in terms of just numbers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and look how those teams are going. I mean, everyone thought that Arkansas win was pretty good. Arkansas lost to Georgia by double digits last night. Yeah, and That's man. Georgia basketball, not football. Right. So, in <laughs> so it, it's just always great to have Armando one-on-one. And, and I think it's really important to have a guy of his, his status on a team where he is just so candid and honest, not only with us, but also with himself and his teammates. And I think that's a large part is why the team has had so much success so far. And every way I'm clacking on the keyboard uh, for all you, uh, you guys, your ears, I swear (laughs) to God, I'm clacking on the keyboard because I was trying to get John. I'm not near smart enough to get to to post a link in the chat. I can barely get on the internet, you know, as long as I can turn the button that, that gets me there, but go read Evan's story because, um, I'm so glad that he went over there. Uh, intern Jalen went over there for video and photo. Um, you know, this was the day after UNC won at Clemson. I, I just, you know, we had sort of talked about a game plan. I thought Evan executed the game plan very well. Like I, I and you know, you get Armando one on one. He's absolutely right. You know, he's like he's sort of an old soul uh, to sound like a Hallmark movie. Um, I mean, you know, like uh, that's something like. Most dudes wouldn't say about great scoring guards leading teams and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the one thing is if Armando recognizes your face or your voice and you ask him a question, he's going to answer it. Um, You never know what you're going to get, but he's going to give you an answer. And um, I don't know. I thought it was a cool scene where the the young guys were able to go over there the other day and, and check out the story. And I thought they did a really good job over there. Shout out to uh, intern Jalen as well. I neglected to mention him earlier, but he does a ton of work on the YouTube channel. To, so shout out to him as well. Jeremiah, uh, I think you wanted to uh, have a, a comment as well. Yeah, I had to just quickly, and somebody did touch on it earlier, but I, I wanted to bring up as a moment because I was in between the Harrison thing and this one. So dope was like, like the crowd was just so into it every time yep. they matched up. Like, I know Burns, Burns honestly got the better of that, like, period of time. Burns scored on him 
think three times to Armando's one, at least in that first half. But I had to bring that up just because uh, of the energy that was with it. And it just kind of, you know, it felt like a little, like Adam said, 90s basketball. Uh, it was like watching two. It actually was kind of like watching two Zach Randolphs go at it a little bit. Um, like I said, the ESPN broadcast was up there. They had the DJ Burns quote. It said, uh, I grew up a big fan of Akeem Olajuwon, but I just so happened to have a Zach Randolph build. I thought that was like one of the best quotes I've seen uh, all year. But I had to throw that out there because I thought that was uh, pretty entertaining. Last night was UNC's third straight win on the road in the ACC. They beat Pittsburgh. They beat Clemson. They beat NC State. Adam, you were there in Clemson, South Carolina as well. A story, quote, anecdote from Clemson? Real quick, David Klein, you can call me out on the typing anytime you want to, baby. It's all it's all love over here. You're, you're never going to hurt my feelings. You guys have got to keep me honest, too. So it's it's fine. I, I love it. You you know, get get on me. I need it, you know. I, I, I try to take coaching, and I, I always do need it. So, and I'm sure I'm banging on the keyboard. I've heard it from the people I live with all the time. So, um, but yeah, Clemson, uh, obviously Jeremiah and I were down there and Evan was looking after us from back home and Clemson being a noon game, we were able to sort of talk to guys maybe a little longer than, than we should. I think Jeremiah saw Hubert Davis posing for uh, photos with security guards uh, <laughs> after the game. You know, I'm not sure what that says about the little John security guards, but uh, I'm not sure what Brad Brownell would think about that. But I just wanted to quickly mention, I was able to, uh, well, we, we were both able to, Jeremiah got the video of it, talked to um, Paxson Wojcik after that game. And I just thought it was super interesting. I'm trying to work it into a story. I keep getting sidetracked by other things that keep hijacking my life. But um, we know about the, the, him getting his head split open before the season opener where he took 10 stitches because of Armando hitting him with a dang elbow and shoot around. They're doing like dummy offense against the air. So I was kind of trying to ask him something very clever about keeping your head up while it's also split open. Um, and he told me, I don't know if we knew this. I don't think we did that. He obviously got hurt at Charleston Southern game too, but he said, and just imagine the visual. He's got his hands stuffed in his pockets. He's outside the UNC locker room. He's just gotten out of the shower. He takes one of his hands out of his pocket and he's rubbing it through his head where I don't have any hair up there, but he's rubbing it through his head. And he said he took seven staples in his head that are still in there from the December 29th Charleston Southern game from when it got, you know, it got split up and again. So this dude has got what 10, 10 stitches, seven staples. He's got more stitches and staples in his head than made field goals on the season. Um, but one of the reasons we were talking to him and I'm so glad they made him available was he hit the go ahead three over PJ hall that day at Clemson. Um, and then Seth Trimble hits the three the next time down, and Carolina doesn't look back, uh, which I thought was a huge moment. I think Evan and I worked the math on it. He, he was one – he had missed 11 of his previous 12 threes before he made that. He'd only made two threes on the season, two for 13 uh, before making that. Yeah, Jeremiah had heard Brunel say that in the postgame, which – you know, so his third made three of the season helped propel Carolina to an ACC road win that's going to be – Probably valuable as long as Clemson doesn't keep going in the tank. Um, it's five quad win, one wins now for Carolina on January 10th, 11th. I mean, dang. Um, so, anyway, I just wanted to mention the Paxson Wojcik, uh, Rocky Balboa <laughs> stitches and staples, man. Uh, you know, that dude's, you know, takes guys like that to have special seasons. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I give him credit for. Staying in it. Here's a dude who played 35 minutes a game last year in the Ivy League, scored 15 points a game, was all Ivy League. I think he made 95 threes his last two years, 90 freaking five. He's got three threes on a season. But, you know, uh, I think he's one of these guys that, you know, end up being in the story of a season's journey. So, anyway, I just – that was one I wanted to drop in there real quick. Absolutely. And a starter at the beginning of the season who has yeah. stayed engaged the entire year. We are coming up on 10 o'clock here, so we're going to do a final segment sponsored by Congruity HR. The segment is called Lightning Round, uh, and we want to give a shout-out to Congruity HR, the sponsor of this podcast as well, where Tar Heel fans can get a free payroll and HR needs assessment. So I have one question 
for all three of you uh, coming to Evan first. Uh, by the way, I'm removing uh, intern in front of Evan because <laughs> Evan is a professional now. I mean, you're, you're doing a great job tonight, Evan. I've been so impressed with all your comments. Evan, where will UNC be in the AP poll if they win this Saturday? You've kind of kept an eye on college basketball. What's your take? Ooh. Um, if they win Saturday, they, I, I assume they'd probably get into the top five would be my guess. There's seven now. Uh, I'm sure everyone has seen the talks nationally about four of the five top five teams losing this week. Um, and then obviously Kentucky's ahead of them at six. So I don't think UNC would jump Kentucky. So that's one team. I think they would jump Tennessee who lost to Mississippi state the other night. And obviously UNC holds the head to head. Uh, I think UConn actually is in position to jump to number one at four currently right now. Um, so I'd probably go UConn would be one. I think they'd probably put Purdue at two. Houston at three, maybe. And then Kentucky four, UNC five. I think UNC would jump of the teams currently ranked ahead of them. I think they'll jump Tennessee for the reasons that I just laid out. I actually think they would jump Kansas because I think of all the top five teams that have lost this weekend, Kansas has lost to, to UCF is, is pretty bad. I mean, yeah. that's, that's not like losing to Iowa state on the road, which Houston right. did, or even losing to a team like Mississippi. I mean, UCF is a team that in the net is ranked lower than NC state, Pittsburgh, uh, teams like that. So I think if in the event UNC does win Saturday at noon, you, you could probably expect them to be top five in the AP poll, um, which I think is, is not something I, I probably expected out of this team coming into the year. But I think a lot of the pieces have fallen together pretty well and, and have meshed a lot quicker um, than I thought. And with how the ACC is kind of panning out, UNC is going to have to string together uh, a, a pretty sizable run of wins to, to situate them in the best possible seed uh, talk come March. This next one is for Jeremiah. It's from Gene. He asks, is mm. UNC the best team in the ACC? Shout out to Gene, obviously a consistent uh, watcher and listener. Um, right now, you would have to say yes. And I think one of the reasons that allows you to say that is going into Clemson, a team that was obviously ranked. They were uh, 16 at this time. They obviously had second-leading score in ACC. They went in there, won, held them to 55 points in a game in which they did not score a, a, to, a ton of points as well. Um, you know, they are obviously they do have the 4-0 record in the ACC. Um, they have won three road games, uh, you know, consecutively, beat a solid Florida State team. So I would say they are number one, yes, but – and some of y'all might get mad at me, but – don't sleep on Duke because Duke has won uh, seven straight games. Duke has not had the caliber of schedule that UNC has. So part of why I think UNC has the advantage, UNC's non-conference schedule, um, not only was it difficult, but they actually beat some really good teams. Like even a, even Duke lost to, uh, to Arizona early. So, um, you know, UNC has actually played and defeated um, some really difficult teams. And then even obviously Clemson, who, um, you know, was probably looking uh, like they were at least close to maybe their level as far as, you know, being ranked around, you know, you know being ranked, um, you know, they beat them. They, pre they beat them pretty well. Um, and I know, <laughs> obviously, uh, I see some of the, uh, the Duke comments in there as well. Um, but honestly, and, and even the other day, um, I know Pittsburgh is not, you know, one of the greatest teams ever, um, but they did kind of make easy work of a, a Pittsburgh team that UNC kind of had to battle with a little bit um, for, for a good part of that game. So um, my answer is UNC, yes. Um, but I think with as much left in the season uh, as there is left to go, I think there's still some teams worth uh, keeping an eye on. Final question of the night comes from NC Mailman 21. I haven't seen that name before, so shout out NC Mailman. Thank you for uh, this great question. It's for Adam, our resident uh, expert on UNC basketball defense, because, <laughs> because you're getting this question. Uh, when is the last time we had, we being UNC, had a defense this tenacious? What do you think, Adam? I don't know. I really don't. I mean, it's something that, that we, I was making the joke last night to, you know, in the press room, what would Roy Williams say about winning three games where you don't crack 70 points? 
I mean, they had 70 against Pitt, but, mm-hmm. you know, it was 65 at Clemson and then 67 last night. It was a joke because, obviously, Roy would be fine with winning. But, I mean, I, I do not know the answer to that because, you know, I, I've, I've seen – I've watched Carolina basketball a long time. I don't – you know, I, I don't remember – I mean, I guess some of those teams in the late 90s, that was when I was in school um, – you know, we're able to to sort of apply the clamps because I think that the stat is now three straight road wins where a team has scored under 60 points. I think that dates back to, is it 98-99? Is that the team? I think so. One of the final four teams that, that Guthridge had? I think that's the, the team. But it, it's, I mean, it's a worthwhile question from NC Mailman. Uh, glad he's with us uh, or she or they. Um, so, but – yeah, Sean Crowley says 93. Yeah, what? Montreal, Salvadori, Derek Phelps. Derek Phelps and George Lynch were great defenders. Um, you know, like, you know, Brian Reese, I think, was good when engaged. Um, but, you know, had all that size. I mean, Rasheed Wallace, when I was in high school, blocked everything and dunked everything before he became an outside shooter. I saw Rasheed Wallace dunk about 10 basketballs on Todd Fuller's head one time in Reynolds Coliseum. And Fuller was a lottery pick somehow, just dunked and screamed in his face. I, I don't know. I don't know. We need to do – I guess we need to do the research, but this is certainly a formula that UNC hasn't used before. Um, they, they have started 4-0 in the league before, and, and you know, it's their best start in eight years, and I think that team in 2015-16 went 8-0. But those were the teams where Roy Williams was leading the nation in scoring and certainly leading the ACC in scoring. Um, and you know, they, it, it, Roy used to do a thing where it's the Hubert is doing it now where they're doing the three minute, the final three minutes of games they're working on. Roy used to do this thing where he always put the scoreboard clock at three minutes and he would put 80 and 80 for each team. And then you had to see who was going to win the game unless they were playing UVA and he would put 60 and 60 on the clock. <laughs> Sort of as a little way to needle Tony Bennett. He made it known that he did that. Like, you know, ah, by the way, Tony, you know. So, yeah, I think it's a fantastic question. I think UNC needs to find its offense a little bit. I think um, you should probably look for that maybe coming home Saturday against Syracuse and next week against Louisville. First ACC home game in 42 days uh, when they play Syracuse on Saturday. We've looked it up. So, yeah, it's a little unprecedented in terms of, I think, the last 20 years in recent history. Um, you know, certainly these threes that aren't going in for these other teams. But I don't have the answer for that. But, you know, it's 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 working for them. They certainly have met the challenge that Hubert Davis sort of issued, you know, before between the Kentucky and the Oklahoma game. And, um, yeah, it's not a tried-and-true formula, but I, I think um, I think it's working out. Yeah, if you're a North Carolina fan, it's a great problem to have thinking about which great UNC defense compares to the one that we're watching right now for North Carolina. Adam, you said it. UNC returns home. They play Syracuse on Saturday and then Louisville next Wednesday, both of those in Chapel Hill. We'll be back next week on On The Beat Live to break down all of those games and more. We appreciate everyone listening tonight. For Jeremiah, for Evan, for Adam, for myself, producer John, we appreciate you all watching and catch you next week.